Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan, read by the author. Chapter 20, The Puka. Where could he have gone? Essa asked. Raff shrugged. I know where he's gone, I said. He's going to kill Kiolti. That's madness. I don't think Fergal is thinking all that straight at the moment. I'll head south, Raff said. He might try to get out the way we came in. May I borrow a firefly? Essa mumbled. One of her fireflies danced into Raff's hand, and he was off. I'll talk to the feely and see if they can help, Essa said, and ran off, leaving me alone in pitch darkness. Hey! I shouted into the black. I couldn't see a thing, and I had no idea where I was. So I did something I always wished I could do. I shouted, Mom! Deirdre was there in a minute. Are you all right? I'm lost, and I can't see a damn thing. Deirdre spoke quickly to a nearby tree and picked up a pine cone. She smeared it with a bit of sap and ignited it. When she handed it to me, I half expected to be burnt, but the shadow fire felt of nothing. Fergal is missing, and he took my sword. I think he's trying to get to Castle Door. Oh, my gods. He'll never get past the Blackthorns. Will they hurt him? They'll kill him if he tries to cut through. I, you gotta stop them. Mom whipped out her wand and touched the ground. A small plant pushed through the grass. Mom touched it with a finger. After what seemed like an eternity, she stood. He's this way, she said, pointing west. Is he okay? I don't know. He is contained. We had better hurry. We found him in the same area where Dad and I found the puka. Unlike the puka, Fergal wasn't on the other side of the blackthorns. But then again, he wasn't on this side either. He was in the thorn wall. He had tried to climb the thorns at the same time that Deirdre had spoken to them. Instead of stabbing him, the thorns encircled him. He was off the ground and trussed up like a smoked ham in an Italian supermarket. The only thing he could move was his head. And let me tell you, he was not happy about it. It must have hurt like hell. But he was beyond words. He was thrashing his head, cursing and ranting with sounds that were before language, like a high-pitched mad dog. His mouth was foaming to match. Mom took some sap out of her satchel and spoke to a nearby tree, then threw the sap into the air. The top of the tree exploded into flame and light, shadow fire. Fawn will be here in a few minutes, she said. Can you let him out? I think we should wait till he calms down. Fawn will have something. Can I climb up to him without the thorns perforating me? I asked. Mom placed her hands on the thorn wall and said, Go ahead. The spikes turned away from me as I climbed. Fergal was still raving when I reached his eye level. He noticed me and his head whipped into my direction and there was murder in his eyes. Mom was right. If we had let him go, I think he would have attacked us. His mind had snapped. Fawn and some other feelies appeared out of the darkness. They had run without any lights. Amazing. Upon seeing Fergal, 
Fawn put away the vial she was holding and took out some greenish sap. She lifted the cuff of Fergal's trousers and rubbed the stuff on his skin. Fergal snarled at her, but then started to relax. Mom released him enough for me to get a hold of his shirt and lower him down to a throng of waiting, feely hands. Fergal winced, but didn't fight. I jumped down. The blackthorns creaked back to their original position. Fawn sat Fergal up. She was just about to give him something that would knock him out when he opened his eyes and saw me. Connor, he said. The mad dog that had taken over his face was gone. He was Fergal again, without the smile. I'm here, Fergal. He's my father, he said, his voice quivering, his eyes welling with tears. Yes, I said. What else could I say? It's okay, Fergal. Don't worry about it. That would be a lie. One thing this was not was okay. Ah, oh, Connor. He sounded like he was five years old. He killed my mother. I put my arms around him. His head shook on my shoulder with silent sobs. His warm tears fell down my neck. I don't know how long we stayed like this, but when I looked up, everyone was there. Essa, Araf, and my father. Dad leaned down and stroked Fergal's hair. Nephew, he said. Fergal looked confused. Dad smiled at him. That's right. I am your uncle. He wiped some of the tears from Fergal's cheek. Listen to me, Fergal. I know what it is like to lose all, and I know despair. But I promise you, it will get a little better every day. I know you feel as if you cannot go on, but it will be better tomorrow and the next day. The pain will never go, but it will get easier. You can do it. You are a son of Dor. I saw hope enter Fergal's eyes. I loved and admired my father at that moment more than I ever had. Then Fergal's eyes went dark again. What about Kielti? he hissed. He will be dealt with soon, Dad said. But we must not seek revenge. Revenge is an evil motive that corrupts the soul. Dad grabbed Fergal under his arms and helped him to his feet. He looked his nephew in the eyes and then looked to me. We shall seek justice. Fergal wanted to walk back to the village, but Fond wouldn't hear of it. He didn't fight. He drank what she gave him, and the feely carried him unconscious on a stretcher. I was a bit jealous. I could have used a lift myself. I didn't fall asleep as fast as I thought I would. One reason was the lump I was sleeping on. I stashed the lawnmower under my mattress. I didn't think Fergal would run off, but if he did, I didn't want to lose my sword again. The other reason I didn't drop off was because I was afraid to. This was my first undrugged night in the Feely Lands. I could sense the power of the place, and I had a feeling the dreams here were going to be intense. I was right. Chapter 2 
This dream was big. It was a full-blown battle. I watched from the ramparts as Castle Dor was under attack from an army made up of not just leprechauns and imps, but all manner of beings. The odd thing was, the soldiers around the ramparts weren't even looking at the invading army. At first I thought they couldn't see them, but then I realized they just didn't see this attack as a threat. They knew something I did not. Kilty showed up with a big red button, like you'd see in a crappy movie about a nuclear war. He smiled as he pressed it. I tried to stop him, but like all good nightmares, I was moving in slow motion. I reached the edge of the wall in time to see a golden shockwave hit the first group of attackers. To my heart, I knew them all. First was my mother, and then my father, followed by everyone I had ever known. Even Sally was there, looking at her watch, wondering why I was late for the movie. I saw the flesh being torn from their bones. I was forced to watch the pain and horror of every person I had ever known and loved die. Die slow. The guards on the tower didn't even notice what was happening. Kilty walked away whistling. The guards only noticed me when I tried to attack my uncle. They grabbed me and threw me over the wall. I awoke, screaming on the floor. Dad was the only person up in the breakfast room. He looked me in the eyes and said, Dreams? Yeah, I replied. Intense. Me too. When I left the land, I missed the dreams terribly, but I forgot what the nightmares were like. We swapped dreams. His was much more vague than mine, but we suspected they were both similar. Dad thought we should talk to Neve about it. How can you trust her? I asked. She tried to kill me. Twice. That's one of the reasons I know I can trust her. Huh? Look, Connor. Neve is my sister, and I love her. I know it caused her much pain to try and kill you, but she did it for the good of the land. She places duty above all else. So why isn't she stabbing me in the back as we speak? Your mother and I have a plan, and the Shadow Runes have told us it might work. I thought Aunt Neve didn't believe in this shadow magic stuff. She's coming around. So, Pop, what's your plan? Well, Kilty is using my hand. That's how he got the door room. What, do you think he carried your hand through the choosing? Well, more probably he got someone else to do it, Dad said. But, yes, he practically admitted it when we were in the dungeon. Remember? It took me a second to think that far back. Yeah, I do. Well, that proves my hand is still working, and your mother thinks she can reattach it. He flashed a cheeky grin, worthy of Fergal's uncle. You're joking. No, she definitely thinks it could be done, and so does Neve. There are just a few difficulties. Like what? I asked. We have to break into Castle Door, we have to find my old hand, and perform 
an unauthorized choosing ceremony in the Hall of Runes. Well, that doesn't sound easy. It is not. So how are you going to do it? That I haven't figured out yet, but we have time. Can we take Kielty out at the same time? Getting in and out of the castle and reattaching my hand will be hard enough without adding assassination to the plan. One thing at a time, Connor. If I get my hand back, the rune lords will follow me. Then we deal with my brother. He looked away, trying to contain his hate. Despite what he said to Fergal, revenge was an emotion he was struggling with, too. Fawn came to the door and said, Our puka guest is awake. Will he live? Dad asked. No, Fawn replied. I could feel the compassion and pain in her voice. He has asked to see Deirdre. Deirdre? Dad said in surprise. Yes, she is on her way. She led us to the room of healing. The puka we brought through the blackthorn wall was propped up in bed. The last time I had seen him, he had been covered with blood. The feely had cleaned him up, but he looked bad. His skin had no color, and his lips were blue. Fawn was right. He wasn't going to last very long. Mom arrived right behind us. Do you recognize him? Dad asked. No. Poor thing. Mom went to the puka's side and held his hand. What life that was left in him sparked in his eyes when he saw her. Are you Deirdre, the Shadow Witch? He said in a pathetic voice. I thought for a second that Mom was going to be insulted by that question, but she simply replied, I am? I was sent by Lorcan. I could hardly hear him. He was using every ounce of his strength to speak, maybe even his last ounce of strength. We need your help. His voice became so faint that Mom had to lean in and turn her ear to his mouth. From the expression on her face, I could tell it wasn't good news. She took a tiny piece of gold out of her pocket and placed it in the puka's mouth. He instantly changed into a wolf again. Mom stepped back. So did I, and I was on the other side of the room. He let loose a mournful howl and died, then changed back into a man. What did he say? Dad asked. Mom covered the puka with a sheet and faced us. He said, Kielty is going to kill us all. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.